Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Coming up in episode three, we're talking about the southern forest section of WA, something we both enjoy hiking in and has a lot to offer for every kind of hiker. So what would you define as the southern forest area, Don? So the southern forest is an area in Western Australia that I think originally came about as a marketing term for a part of the southwest that has a dense carry forest, I guess is the most characteristic part of this particular area of Western Australia. And the four towns that are generally considered part of this area are Manjimup, Pemberton, Northcliffe and Walpole. For the purposes of our discussion, we're going to expand it a little bit. We're going to talk about Donnelly River Village and Quinnanup, as there are walks that I think share the character of the Southern Forest area, which is the Cary Forest. Whereas, you know, sometimes some of the walks in Northcliffe don't have that Cary Forest dominating the experience. So um, maybe we'll start from the north and work our way down. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, good starting point is Donnelly River Village, which is also one of the track towns on the Billman Track and a section we have both hiked before. Yes. You last year and uh, me just recently in June. So how did you find that section? That's probably my second favorite town-to-town section of the Bibbulmun. And I think it's probably one of the two that I say is the least problematic and probably the most perfectly organized and planned as a route. It's beautiful, it's immersive, there's less issues I feel where sometimes maybe some of the northern sections have stretches where it's just long boring road bashes. I think that the forests in Donnelly River, even when they are on the roads because of the density of carry forests, you kind of go, this is fine, this is perfectly nice walking. I agree. Yeah, the uh, 4x4 tracks in this section are certainly a lot more bearable and probably a lot more enjoyable sometimes than yeah, uh, yeah definitely the northern sections. Um, so which day? It's a five-day stretch of you go village yes. to shelter to Pemberton. Which was your favourite day? My, I think we've had this discussion and we have a difference of opinion about this. And for me, my favourite day was Tom Road to Boarding House. Because, well... First of all, Tom Road is, is probably one of my all-time favorite campsites in the Bibbulmun, where it's located, you know, along the... Is it the Donnelly River itself? Yeah, that's the Donnelly River there. And it's got just beautiful access down to the river from the, from the hut or shelter, as, uh, <laughs> as has been pointed out. And the campsites there are beautiful as well. And the walking from that, that day, for me, is probably the most perfect of the... Donnelly River Village to Pemberton section in the sense that the character of this town-to-town section is that it follows the Donnelly River. And I think there's no day that follows the Donnelly more closely than this day. So for me, it captures the essence of that section perfectly. But I know you have a difference of opinion with this one. I know it's not that I didn't enjoy that day. I think it just came down to I visited when it was really, really dry. So Donnelly River on a lot of the bridge crossings just didn't exist. It was a trickle and that was about it. So in terms of having the Donnelly River experience, I had it not at the right time. So for me, that was day two of my journey. I know it was a later day for you because you did it from bailing up through to Pemberton as a, a whole section. So you probably had your trail legs up by then and I was yeah coming off a rough night's sleep and it was an enjoyable section it was just not the most enjoyable for me yeah so what of those days which is your favorite my favorite would probably have to be day three so between boarding house and beavis um, the the hard day as they the, say the, yeah the roller coaster day um with good reason it the elevation map is a bit wonky mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are some very steep steep hills they're not long hills but they're just steep which you don't get even in the hillier sections of the darling range you maybe get a 10 or 15 percent gradient but these are jumping up to 20 percent which mm. in uh yeah wet muddy trails is quite an effort with a full pack definitely and i think that it's one of those things that even though it's difficult i think mentally i was prepared for it and i actually really loved that day as well 
because of how, even though it's it's a challenging thing to have to do, having to go up and down, it was also something that's quite uncharacteristic of Western Australia in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah you don't normally prepare yourself for switchbacks and muddy ups and downs in that kind of terrain um, and to get it in an area where people think of the forest is it's kind of gentle rolling hills mm. not in and out of valleys and streams and it was yeah a very pleasant experience and some of the bridges along that section are just you know eye candy for photographers yeah, <laughs> yeah the uh the old laying a big carry tree over a creek and then nailing some uh, chicken wire and stainless steel to it is simple yet very effective very yeah and going from there how did you feel the rest of the journey to Pemberton was I loved it um I know day four for you between Beavis and Beetleup you didn't enjoy (laughs) the start of that day which is fine because it is quite same same and lots of carry forest and kind of ups and downs that don't necessarily need to be there um but the day I visited my day four that was actually quite a nice day i had the sun shining through the canopy i'm editing the photos right now and remembering how nice it was and i just love being yeah as you said immersed in the carry forest and to have a lot of single track just winding its way up and down some hills i i loved it and then as you get later into that day you've got kerry brook falls Mm. got um beetle up lake which is carry valley resort then you've got you know the showstopper at beetle up falls which if you pick the right day has no tourists like it did for me. Oh, really? <laughs> and you can enjoy it all on your own. Lovely. The I think for me, one of the things that I like about that day, I found the carry forest and they're mind-numbingly boring because there's regrowth carry and there's that bit where it's just like at, at fence line, turn right, turn right, and then turn right, then turn right again, then turn right. And that really pissed me off a lot. <laughs> But one of the things that I did like about that day was actually the the Mary forests there when it's when it changed to Mary and Jarrah and a mix with Carrie. Yeah, I thought it was actually really beautiful, in a way that was a nice change of pace. Exactly, yeah, because it isn't as closed in. You don't get the the thickets of regrowth and the the Carrie bark dripping everywhere. You can see a lot more of the forest and there's different colors and i know you had wildflowers when you were there yeah which you don't normally get in the carry forest so yeah i agree that there was just a little section there where you just had just a change and it just yeah made that day a little bit better yeah and what do you think of the last day walking into pemberton i found that actually quite enjoyable even though i struggled big time my feet were completely ruined at this stage but the scenery got me through i really enjoyed um, big brook dam even yeah. though the asphalt walking is not ideal after <laughs> five days of 15 kilos on your back um, the farmland i also enjoyed early on in the day that was amazing because you don't normally see farmland yeah. on the billman track so to come out of the forest and then just have open paddocks, cows in the distance, a bit of mist in the morning. Um, yeah, that was really a treat as well. And I, I love the you know the farmland area. I love that it's called Channy Bear Up. When we did the track, we were walking with a group, and a lot, quite a few of them, even though they weren't together, were from New South Wales. Mm. And there was a guy there who had never knew what the up at the end of things were. And he asked us, what's all this up at the end? Why is everything of an up at the end? And yep. I said, up is place of in yeah. the Noongar language. He said, well, then what's a chatty bear? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, and I went, yep, fair call. <laughs> yeah, like a drop bear, but not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you, obviously you met quite a lot of people when you were doing your stretch. We Yeah, we walked with a group from... Well, basically, from the time we got to the first campsite at Blackwood, we walked with two people from there on to the end, and then we met another cu- a couple in Gregory Brook, and we ran into a few other people occasionally, but with this group, we kind of walked with them. That was an interesting experience, because we were with them all the time, and we actually kind of became friends over that whole period, and even though... We all walked separately. We'd always get to the campsite and hang out together at, yeah. the, at there, which was really nice. And we actually caught up with the couple who we met at Gregory Brook when we went to Canberra. We went and had lunch with them, which was really good. Yeah, it's the the magic of the Billman is 
you meet like-minded people and you know you share that experience and you know a chat at camp every night it's quite a bonding thing to do definitely yeah i didn't have that same experience yours was completely completely like you're by yourself wasn't it it was just a weird case of has the apocalypse come or am i just did i pick the wrong time because i stayed with someone the first night at tom road and then occasionally bumped into a tour group from the adventurous women's um company and then i saw a couple at one tree bridge so halfway through day two and then that was it i did not see a single soul until i hit pemberton and every night was is someone going to come am i going to meet someone going the other way i don't know it was just yeah it was weird and because you don't get phone reception in there if you on the vodafone network there was no way of communicating or knowing what was going on so by the end of day three i just let it all go and i was happy to be on my own <laughs> it actually <laughs> yeah. probably would have spoiled it if someone came in and interrupted my uh my camp life yeah i think that's one of those things that sometimes whatever whatever comes generally speaking as long as you don't get people showing up in a car driving to the campsite yeah it's it's nice to either have the tranquility of just being by yourself or being with a group and i think it's whatever the track gives you is ge- generally speaking if you people are going to be out there for this kind of thing they're going to be nice people or if it's no one then you have the company of yourself which is also kind of nice it was yeah um yeah just to be able to get to the the campsite at night lay all your stuff out which it can be a problem if there's lots of people there mm. um and then just enjoy a coffee listen to the birds listen to the forest and then yeah just do your own thing yeah i think one of the things that maybe just jumping back a little bit which we didn't talk about was donnelly river village itself which is you know talking about tranquility it's such a magical place it is and yeah just a very quaint old town i mean it used to be a timber mill and yeah the uh the mayor of donnelly river actually runs the accommodation and the coffee shop i didn't realize this until someone told me at the campsite that night that you got served by the the local member yeah it's just a nice place not often you get tame wildlife like you do at Donnelly River Village. Yeah. And I think that is a big draw card for some people. It feels like sort of a, a place out of time. You know, like it's it seems like a 1950s kind of place that mm. you, you imagine, like, you know, when people think of Australia as like, oh, there's kangaroos walking down the street. And Donnelly River really happens. There really are kangaroos and emus walking down the street. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's a throwback. And it's kind of like a postcard village. Yeah, where you go and there's no well, you get phone reception but it's not you're there to watch TV and do this you're there to play and there's that um, it's like a flying fox yeah kind flying of fox like in the zip, middle of the park line. yeah zip line in the middle yeah. of the park and you've got lots to see and do kids can explore and the parents can just chill out on the balcony and watch mm. the emus it's a great place but I guess you know where we're at now with the track is coming to Pemberton which is I think one of the best track towns in the southwest. It's certainly geared up quite well with a lot of day walks as well as the Bibbleman. It is, and it's no surprise that Trails WA have given it a trail hub um, official name. So all kinds of trails, mountain biking, hiking, canoeing as well um, mm. along the rivers there. Yeah, well-deserved. It's just a town that's really embracing um, nature tourism which I think the Southwest is a bit slow in the uptake in doing that. And it's great to see them investing some money and welcoming tourists to the town. It's certainly a very friendly place when you arrive in. Lots of cafes. Yes. Um, Do you want to tell the the listeners your favorite meal getting into a track town? Yes. So when completing a long section of of the track, a town to town section, one of the things we always say is we're going to have a 10 on a plate, which is basically... If you get a sausage roll, put it on a plate, get a pie, put it on the plate, looks like the number 10, that's what we eat when we get to the end as a celebratory meal. It's, you know, it's a good simple thing. And it's a good way to know how good the, the bakery is in a town. And Pemberton's is pretty good, Cafe Brazil. I really enjoy their 10 on a plate. Yes, I deliberately got one to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> My parents were meeting me there and I said, you go to Cafe Brasilia and... I walked in and I said, I'll have a sausage roll and a pie, thanks. <laughs> I just sat down <laughs> exhausted. <laughs> yeah. It's such a, a wonderful place. And you know what you were saying about the fact that it's really embracing tourism. I think I read somewhere that this year the the mill is closing. So they're actually going to, you know, completely uh, transitioning away from 
logging to a, I guess, to more of a tourism focus. And that's always good news because I know logging in WA, especially the native forest, isn't actually a, a money loss situation for the government. Um, so it's nice to see at least one town embracing that and making the change because I think the opportunities are there with such amazing scenery that you know you invest a little bit of money, the people will come and it'll just get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, definitely. I think that Pemberton has a special place in my heart because it was where, well, it was the place where I decided I was going to do the Bibbulmun track was in Pemberton. It was the first bit of the Bibbulmun I did was actually a section near Cary Valley Resort because we used to go quite often for the sort of springtime. And the area around there has, you know, they have a lot of day walks around there. There's a loop that you can do around the Cary Valley Resort to Beetle Up Falls. And I think that it's a shame that Cary Valley Resort didn't, I think, take off the way it should have. Because it was a, a place that looked like it was going to become something like a major tourist attraction. Mm. But it hasn't quite reached that. And I feel like it has so much potential to do so. And I hope that in a shift towards a more tourist uh, focus, that they will maybe do something a bit more there. Yeah, definitely. I've never stayed at Cary Valley, but walking past on the Billman, there's that jetty on the other side of the lake and you can see everything. It just kind of had that like American camp, summer lake Very, type vibe. Yeah. So I don't think they tap into quite as well as they could, you know, hiring I, out canoes and bushwalking and, you know, nature activities. They used to do a lot more of that in the 90s. They used to have aqua bikes and paddle paddle boats and mm. and canoes and kayaks and things like that. And they still have the kayaks, but it's lost its sun. As you're saying, like that kind of summer camp feel has kind of... of disappeared a bit and i think it's a bit of a shame but i still i mean i still love doing walking around the lake there and doing there's a, a walk that you can park at the beetle up falls car park and then walk through there's a bit of a, a hollowed out carry that you can walk through that's i think it, it was originally like a burn yeah but they've sort of carved it a bit more and people have graffitied inside the tree some of it's a bit salacious some of the graffiti <laughs> um then you walk past the past the resort and then back up along the other side of the the lake to Beetle Up Falls and it's a nice walk. Yeah, very picturesque down there, I agree. Mm. What other walks have you done in that area, Mark? Uh, so the two favourite day walks I've done are the Gloucester route, which is a 10 kilometre loop around or well, starting in the, the Gloucester National Park and the famous Gloucester tree and the Warren River loop trail, which I know you've done as well. Um, I actually just did the Gloucester last weekend as well. Last weekend, so maybe by the time this airs, you'll have your report up. Yes. Um, maybe we can have a, a little preview today. Yeah. First of all, I think I'll say that I like the Warren River Loop more. Do you agree or no? Do you, you disagree? <laughs> I'm still thinking, no, it's definitely in terms of scenery, I think Warren River has a lot more to see and it has a lot more wow moments than Gloucester Route. But, yeah, my experience on the Gloucester, it was a little different. This is going to sound weird, but I just had a moment in the Cary Forest where I just felt an energy. And I'm not normally like that. I'm starting to become a bit more like that. But I just was wandering through one section and the sun was shining. It was still winter. And I just felt at peace with the forest, which hit me all of a sudden. So that kind of elevates that walk a little bit more than probably what you experienced as that, a that's as a... interesting i think because i had a similar kind of feel about it there was a point where i was on the trail and i stopped thinking completely and i was only brought out of it because they have done a control burn in the jarrah part of the walk <laughs> and i hadn't realized it even transitioned i was just because it the thing that kept coming to mind was that it's such an idyllic walk it is it's 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 really you know a very simple walk really because it's just like a loop through the carry forest and there's nothing really beyond that but that's quite nice it is it uh it almost felt like i know it's an, a newish term that's coming to australia but like the forest bathing in japan where you just go out into the forest and just let go and just feel the energy i think that's kind of more the experience you'll get you're not going out to see wow there's a set of rapids or whatever there's there's bridges there which are actually very picturesque and 
Yeah, it was not my quickest hike I've ever done because I was too busy taking photos of everything. Oh, yeah. Um, and then also there's the stop at uh, the Lavender and Berry, Berry Farm, which did you experience that? While no, you were there? I, I didn't do that, but I do recommend it. I actually wrote a blog post about the Lavender and Berry Farm back in my food blog days, yep. Ministry of Gluttony, for anyone who wants to look that up. And I do recommend the, the blueberry pancakes. Okay. pretty damn good yeah i had the uh the rosemary scone and that was that was very nice awesome so the gloucester route we agree is very nice walk but there is the other walk the elephant in the room the warren river loop trail um, what are your thoughts on on that and how good it is that's one of my favorite walks in the southern forest area and it was can't remember where it was but it is my top 10 favorite walks in western australia and Alyssa and i always have this discussion that Alyssa really always loves forest walks whereas i'm more about rocks and rock formations yep. and i think if you look at my top 10 list as a, a skewing of um, preference towards mountainous or gorge walking but this was a walk that i think it's so beautiful that I was prepared to just say, it doesn't matter that there's not much in the way of rocks here. Mm. This is just stunning. And I think it's the, it's interesting because it has a lot of things in trails that I don't like. Like a lot of it's on vehicle track. Yeah. But it didn't matter. It was, it was so stunning. And then I just love that bit that is the, I guess the centerpiece of it, which is the bit that goes along the Warren River. And it's quite clever because that used to be part of the 1988 Bibbleman. And they've reused that section to create a nice path that follows the river. And it's a really beautiful river. And they've got all those um, like jetties and launching areas so that you can bring your, your kayaks and paddle. And yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah, I think it's a very underrated area, not necessarily the, the walk trail, but in terms of the, the campsites that are there... I've seen lists of the best campsites in WA and places you should visit and Warren National Park really doesn't get mentioned for how beautiful it is. It's true. I mean, to be able to camp right on the river, walk down to the, the jetties and the boardwalks and just sit there, have a cup of coffee, launch your kayak. I mean, it's just an amazing place, especially, I mean, I visited in late spring and there was still mist on the river at, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. It's just, yeah, it's just one of those places that you walk down to and it just hits you and you're just like, wow, I, I want to spend more time here. And yeah. yeah, I always recommend anyone who wants to go camping or, you know, take the kids out, take them to there and just, yeah, let them just be. Yeah. What I really like about it is that it's actually quite similar to Honeymoon Pool in Wellington National Park in that it's this nice little campsite by the, by a river and the thing is, if you try to get a campsite, a honeymoon pool, it's so hard because it's so popular with everyone and it's not far from Perth. But the good thing about Warren, as you say, there's not as many people there and you get a similar-ish experience. So I think for me, who'd, I'd really dislike queuing. Mm. I would actually prefer to just go to Warren and not have to deal with, with waiting to get a, a camping spot because there were so many there. Yeah, I mean, I think when I was there, there was one caravan and one tent set up. I mean, I think it was a Wednesday or a Thursday when I went, but it was still like, we've got this natural beauty. Why is it not overrun with people like a, a honeymoon pool or a, you know, a lane pool reserve in Dwelling Up? That little river section I did enjoy quite a lot. I think I had a smile on my face the whole time. You're kind of <laughs> ducking in and out of these uh, little gullies and there's bridges everywhere and giant fallen carry trees that are covered in moss and fungi. And it's just, you know, in terms of delighting your imagination as a, a hiker, it's it's one of those places that you never forget. Yeah, for sure. I th we did it in winter and there were a lot of, of fungi out, which I think are the sort of wildflowers of the winter. Yeah. And they were really stunning, some really bright reds and yellows, which always look really nice against that green. Yeah, it's just amazing how many shades of green you can get in one photo. <laughs> yeah. Even, yeah, just photographing the river, which is a very deep brown because of the, the tannins of the um, the forests and the trees. Even that just had a, a green shimmer to it just because of the, the reflections. Yeah. 
and yeah and then you get up to the lookout which when you're going along the river section you're thinking how can there be a lookout and then you just i mean it's not even a big hill you just kind of hike up for a track for a little while and yeah you just kind of hit with that amazing vista overlooking the river yeah definitely mm. and of course the thing that we both we haven't talked about both walks is that what do they have in common is the climbing trees that they start and finish at yeah i'll let you talk about this <laughs> one because yeah one of my many failings in life is i'm not that fond of heights i don't think that's a failing but no it's it's, it's not something i enjoy i'm getting better at it but I, yeah i did visit the day after a, a big storm and everything was very slippery <laughs> i just <laughs> yeah. didn't want to risk it on my own so i'll let you talk about the the two trees that you can climb there so there's actually three trees if you include the diamond tree near manjama and all three of them are basically these trees that have been pegged with metal rungs that go all the way up the top and the gloucester tree is the most famous one it's the one that probably most tourists go to do but the the other two are actually harder i think because i think they get steeper as you go up and the Dave Evans Bicentennial tree is the one that's on the Warren River Loop. And that one is probably the best of the three, I reckon. The lookout is the highest. I think it is the highest tree lookout in the world, which is you know, quite a big, a big deal, I think. Yep. Oftentimes, these sort of qualifications of like the second biggest, you know, whatever with this, this and this. And there's all these mm. qualifiers, but that's just straight up tallest lookout tree in the world. And one of the things that I really like about it is that because it's not as popular as the Gloucester tree, you can get up there and you can be by yourself on there, which is, you know, another great thing about the Warren National Park being so underrated. It is. And looking at the YouTube videos of people going up and down the Gloucester tree, I always get really queasy when they have to shuffle around when someone's coming down and they're going up. And I mean, there's been no fatalities on the Gloucester tree, which is amazing considering... Yep. It's just metal pegs into a tree and there's not any safety netting if you fall. I suppose you're trusting your, your fellow climber. Um, did you do it when there was people going up and down? I did because we did North Cliff to Pemberton on the Bibbleman when the it was the Easter long weekend. So there were a lot of people going up and down. Yeah. And that was... The good thing about a lot of people is that you feel less nervous because if everyone can do it, then surely it must be fine. Yeah. But then the bad thing about that is, as you say, if people are coming up and down, you have to do this thing where you kind of stand. There's like another set of, of rungs that are behind you that have a bit of a, a netting. It's weird because they've got like this, this this thing behind you, but nothing underneath you. Mm. And you then kind of stand on the side and let people go down. But yeah, no one has ever died on any of the trees as far as I know. Yeah, And it's... One of those things where I always think that, that Western Australia is so risk averse normally to anything that's pot potentially dangerous. And yet this thing is quite scary looking and yet is fine. Exactly. Like, yeah, you, they have big advertising campaigns about don't stand on the wet rocks when you're going fishing. But here, 12-year-old kid, climb <laughs> to the top of this giant <laughs> <Yeah>. tree. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've, I've done all three trees, but even then, there was one time where I was climbing up the Dave Evans and the wind was so intense and there's actually a massive structure at the top of the Dave Evans mm. and the whole tree was just swaying heavily side to side and I just went, no, nah, I, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> Not today. Yeah, when I was there, there was a, a husband um, and the wife was on the floor looking up and he was climbing it and he was all gun-ho at the start and I did the little loop walk around it. So I was watching where, what he was doing and he got halfway and he looked down and he's like, I don't like this. I'm coming down. <laughs> he was so gun ho at the start about finishing it. And yeah, he got halfway and didn't like what he saw. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other walk there that is kind of a shorter walk, but is a nice one is the, the Cascades, which is not actually on the Bibbleman, but you can walk off the Bibbleman. There's like a side trail. And it's probably the most significant side trail in that when you reach it from the Bibbleman, there's a sign that says Cascades this way and you can take the side trip to the Cascades and mm -hmm. it's a really nice area of Lefroy Brook that has um, I guess water that flows down this rocky Cascades yep. it's very aptly named it is, it's yeah, like the Great Dividing Range or the Great Barrier Reef it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what you see is what you get um, yeah, I've not visited that area so it's on my to-do list so I'll let you talk about this one the walks 
from memory, because this is a walk that I did pre the blog, so that would have been, you know, like in 2014, I think I did it. Mm-hmm. And the Lefroy Brook walk trail is basically a loop through the forest, and it's 3.5 Ks, I think. And the walking through the forest seems like it's a bit arbitrary, like it was tack- tacked on. Yeah. So really, to me, I think it's more of a of a thing where you maybe you walk up, you look at it, you go, oh, look at this amazing thing, and then you walk back onto the building, and that's probably a nicer way to do it. Mm. Or if you want, you can just drive there and just look at it. And I think that's probably the best bit of it is the cascades rather than the actual walk through the forest. But, you know, I think it's still... I'll always find Pemberton worthwhile and don't mind doing it. Yeah, exactly, because I think they advertise the cascades walk as you walk from Pemberton to it as a one-way trail. I think that's how I've seen it advertised, not necessarily on Trails WA, but on a couple of, you know, random places I found on Google have right. yeah, recommended that as a walk, which kind of, I understand why they do it, but I'm not a big fan of one-way trails because it just means if it's six kilometres, you then have to walk six kilometres back. Yeah. Um, I'd rather then make an effort to either make it a loop or, you know, say it's 12 kilometres because then people will be more prepared yeah. when they arrive. And I'm pretty sure that if you're doing that, walking from Pemberton to there, you're just using the Bibbleman track, as mm. far as I, as I know from that, that walk to the Cascades and back, which kind of seems, why don't you just do the Bibbleman? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should move further south or Quinnan up sort of, East. Southeast yeah. slightly, isn't it? So maybe I've, I haven't really done any walks in. Actually, no, I've never done any walks in Quinning Up. So maybe you can lead the discussion here. Yeah, so Quinning Up was kind of an accidental find. Um, I wanted to do a southwest trip and brought the girlfriend along, and she was going to stay with me while we did Green Bushes and Quinning Up. So Quinning Up was actually, I was on, I think I was on stays.com.au and I typed in Pemberton, I want to stay there booked this place and it was actually in Quinning Up. So I thought, <laughs> uh, so I Googled Quinning Up and where it was, I was like, oh, this is about 30 k's away. That's not ideal. But it was a lovely old timber cottage and Quinning Up being a former timber mill has its own quaint charms and you know, old 1920s cottages. So it was a really nice place to stay. And as you drive in on Wheatley Coast Road, there was a sign that piqued my interest that said walk trail. So I thought, oh, <laughs> I might be able to have some fun here. <laughs> So we got to the main information area and yeah, there there were walk trails. There's four of them in the area. I only did three of them. And they're just really nice, small trails. They're just between three and a half and four kilometers each. Um, the first one we did was around the lake, which is the town's water supply. And that had a similar feel to Cary Valley where it's you got your stilted houses lining the lake. And then on one side, you've got just dense Cary forest, which is actually quite old regrowth now um, once they harvest it for the the timber they replanted it all and that was a nice nice little loop there's a little fairy garden in, in one section which i kind of i don't know why i get a kick out of those things i just do <laughs> and then because we'd done the 15 kilometer or 16 kilometer um, green bushes loop my girlfriend's not not into her hiking as much as I am. So she was feeling a bit sore. So I was like, I'll right, well, drop you at home and then I'll go and do the King Carry Trail, which she has a bit of the Mundabiddy, which I didn't realize Quinning Up was a, a Mundabiddy town. Mm. And that was, yeah, just like a mini Gloucester route or a mini um, Warren Loop. Um, you're just kind of walking through these big carry trees. And they actually have got a, a few named trees. I think that one of them is the Hollow Butt. Um, I actually think they have one called the King Carry, but yeah, I think there's one called Shaggy Tree as well. It's just <laughs> kind of nice to have those little features because it is just walking through vehicle tracks and yeah, yeah, looking out for the different fungi and wildflowers and whatnot. And then the Orchid Trail, which we were there in June, so it was not full of orchids as it should <laughs> be. So it was the wrong time of year, but that was just on vehicle tracks. And I'm sure in late spring, that would just be an amazing walk. Mm. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed Quinning Up. It's just a, a nice quaint little town, which unfortunately has lost its only pub to a fire recently. Oh no! <laughs> happened, happened not so long ago. And I, I really hope they do rebuild because, I mean, a lot of people that I've talked to were quite defensive about Quinning Up when I said it was just, you know, a pub and nothing else. And, you know, someone corrected me and said there's an eco resort there. and. <laughs> people live there and I was just, yeah, it's just a nice place and I hope it, it regains its um, 
yeah, pub. Yes, I think it's a very sad day when a country town loses its pub. Exactly, and there's nowhere to, to drown your sorrows either, <laughs> yeah, to drive the 30Ks to Pemberton. Yep. So maybe we'll move on to Northcliffe next, which is the town that's south of, sort of southwest south. of Pemberton, yeah. isn't it? Have you done many walks through that area? No, I have many planned walks, and I wanted to visit the area last year, but my battery charging issues prevented a longer trip, so uh, I'll once again defer to you for your experiences <laughs> around Northcliffe. I think one of the great shames of the area is that it has been quite significantly burnt in recent years. There was a fire, I think it was 2015, yeah. that kind of has ruined a lot of the really beautiful carry forests in the area. And that sort of put me off from doing a lot of the Shannon National Park walks. There's supposed to be some nice ones in there, but I just feel like it's one of those things where I'm happy to wait a bit and have something to look forward to when the forest has regenerated a bit. Because we did one walk through there as a day walk, and we've done the Bibbleman track sections on either side of Northcliffe. And that can be a bit of an issue, the, especially south of Northcliffe. I think north of Northcliffe is not too bad, yeah. but definitely south of Northcliffe. There's a lot of burnt forest through there. But in terms of Pemberton to Northcliffe as a section of the Bibbleman, it's the first two days are very similar to Donnelly River Village to Pemberton. A lot of carry forest. And it rather than following the Donnelly River, it follows the Warren River. And it's quite nice there. There's a the longest rail bridge still on the track because the longest one before that was Longully, but that's gone. Yeah. But that's still there, and it's a beautiful spot where you cross the bridge. And Warren Hut is a really lovely spot. Campsite. <laughs> or <laughs> I, I feel like we should explain this one for everyone who doesn't know. So I was on a volunteer day um, down in Collie, and Gwen, the wonderful fantastic uh, volunteer coordinator for the Billman Track Foundation sat us all down and gave us a little spiel about how we are not to call the campsites huts because huts for overseas hikers means a lot different things to huts for West Australians so people usually expect four walls some kind of kitchen or campsite area where they can cook or wash or whatever and then they're confronted with three-sided open shelters. Um, so we've been instructed not to call them huts, we're to call them shelters. <laughs> but double sheltering just doesn't sound no, so yeah, good, the, does it? <laughs> I need to come up with a different term because, yeah, as you said, double sheltering or double campsiting <laughs> doesn't roll off the tongue as well. <laughs> no. Um, but that being said, the campsites along the stretch... Are really great i think warren is a really good site because it's high up on the warren, warren river valley and it overlooks the warren river you can't really see it because there's a lot of carry trees mm. but it's really nice looking at the carry trees as it's going down the hill and then schaefer campsite is a slightly different situation in that it's not even in carry forest really it's sort of more mix of mary i think with maybe some some carry and a bit of jarra around it but it's the only campsite on the track that I can think of that has a swimming pool. It's like there's a dam that is shared with a private property. It's got like a, a fenced off area that you can swim in. Mm. And that's a really nice thing to have. We did it in autumn and it was still a bit warm and it was nice to have a swim in that area. There are swimming holes in other areas, but not as much of a, of a feature as this is. And did you skinny dip or did you... Leave your your modesty intact. Well, Mark, there were a lot of other people at the campsite, <laughs> so I definitely kept my modesty intact. Um, and then south of Northcliffe is, to me, one of the more problematic sections of the Bibbleman because I think that the campsites along the stretch from Northcliffe to Walpole are some of the best of the whole track, mm -hmm. but the walking I find extremely boring. And that is because a lot of it is on old vehicle tracks. And some people might disagree with me. I've heard people say that Northcliffe to Walpole is their favorite section of the track. Mm. I don't see how that can be, but I might be wrong. Because you went in to that section with a completely different mindset of you'd heard it was the best wilderness section yes. of the Billman and you were quite disappointed in what you found. 
Yeah, there's a section there where you walk along roads and you're just along a road, a very straight road. There's a road I hate on that section called Marin Road. And I think it's something like 18 Ks from the start of Dog Road, which is the first road you, you're on. And then there's Dog Pool Campsite, which is fantastic. <laughs> then you go on to Marin Road and then you go on to Pingrup Road. And it's just a lot of road. And the day from Dog Pool to Mount Chance is mostly road mm. and it says on the website oh you'll see very little roads in this section and it's like well you don't see any other roads because you're on all of them yeah <laughs> but that being said there are some some really beautiful bits here of the track like i th really think that one of my all-time favorite campsites is lake maringa which is this campsite that is immersed in carry forest right next to a massive lake which is lake maringa mm. And it is so beautiful. There's so many birds in the, in the areas around the forest, both in the trees and on the lake. And the shelter overlooks the water. So moving on to Walpole, um, the area with the granite domes, I know you quite enjoyed kind of the peaks around coming into Walpole. Um, what was your favourite campsite going in? The... Hmm... My favorite campsite was probably one that we didn't stay at, which is the one that's that you've been to as well, Mount Clare. Although Mount Chance as well. I mean, there's Chance and Clare are both beautiful campsites in mm -hmm. that they are... Mount Chance is right next to the giant granite dome, and you can climb up and have a look, and it's surrounded by carry forest, which is great. Mm -hmm. And then Mount, Mount Clare is itself, the campsite is on Mount Clare. Yeah, and in amongst the, the tingle trees, which are unique to the area, which I didn't think I would actually enjoy as much as I did. I just thought there would be variations of a carrier or a Mary or whatever. But yeah, the bell shape actually quite sticks with you for a, yeah. a while after you visit. And I visited in summer, so I was not expecting it to be like it would be in spring or winter. But it was 18 degrees and raining both days that I visited. So I kind of had that winter experience in summer. And it kind of felt like I was still still hiking the bib in its usual time. Um, and it, yeah, it was just an amazing section with the tingles and the carries. And then I mean, Mount Clare is not really a, a mountain. <laughs> it's no. kind of a, a side trip where you kind of wonder what you're meant to be finding because I mean, it has a little bit of a view, but nothing spectacular. Mm. Um, but the campsite was amazing. It's just in this thick carry forest and you're just surrounded by it. And I like that the tent sites are right underneath these massive tingles as well. Which mm. is, I think it's actually a nicer tingle-oriented campsite than Giants, which is on the other side of Walpole, which is near the Valley of the Giants, which is probably the next important place for us to talk about. Yeah, so Valley of the Giants... Um Definitely, as we talked about in, in episode one, is one of those big ticket items where money has been invested to kind of draw in people that kind of wouldn't normally think maybe I'll go for a, a short day walk and take the kids. So the treetop walk that they've built is allowing you to kind of appreciate how big the carry trees are. So you go right up, I think it's about 40 or 50 meters above ground level and the floor is see-through. So you look down there's your shoes and then 50 meters below there's the forest floor to the left and to the right is these massive massive carry trees which just go on and on and on and yeah it's just like a wow factor um, just to draw people in and it is one of the big tourist items in the area um, have you been done yeah i have i haven't been for a long time i did it twice as it as a kid and a teenager i think mm. But it's one of those things where I've, I've kind of seen it and I went, oh, yeah, you know, I won't see it again because it is a bit expensive, I think. It's, it's probably, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth paying the money to do it. But I have heard people say, you know, you get that trip advice. They're like, oh, I can't believe that this is so expensive. Yeah. And that's probably, you know, I, I think it's worth it. But then I also take the point that it's maybe a bit pricey. Yeah, I understand where people are coming from. And certainly the day we did it, it was kind of overcast and raining and the first loop that we did round because once you paid your money you can go as many times as you want yeah. um, that day so we paid our money and 
yeah, no one was listening to the attendants or the volunteers, so it was packed and people were stopping to take a million selfies in every single location. So you're kind of waiting on platforms for people to finish taking photos and kind of not being able to do it at your own pace. But then it started raining quite heavily and we stuck it out in the uh, the gift shop and our second run through was practically empty so we got to enjoy it all on our own i had my little nieces and they were fearless they were bounding <laughs> off everywhere i was still holding onto the sides and like oh, my what are you doing come on let's go <laughs> yeah it's well worth it and i think a lot of people while they're there don't do the um is it the ancient tree walk yeah the one that's underneath the yeah so yeah. once you've done the the treetop walk you can you know there's boardwalks and a little loop going in the other direction where you get to appreciate the trees from below and a lot of them are hollowed out so you get to jump in and have a little bit of a play around and appreciate how big they are mm. um, and thanks to my dad for ruining my photos by constantly having the umbrella up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely as a as a tourist item it's it deserves its reputation and it is a good springboard in that area because there are quite a few family friendly hikes to do so there's the giant tingle tree as well which is closer to walpole and that's just a, a quick one kilometer loop um, with the the giant tingle which is very impressive it's got boardwalks all around it and you can go in and under and appreciate just they're very wide tree i think yeah. their claim is that they are the widest in terms of girth um, of trees in the world is that right I've heard that that's uh, there's a bit of debate about that and the is it the Tasmanian ash? Yeah, is the ones that they're the two that always seem to get these. There's a bit of a battle there between sand gropers and yep. Taswegians. Taswegians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but it is a, a nice walk, and again, the facilities are great. There's toilet blocks and there's car parks, and along that road as well is circular pool, which is. Um, a bit of a unique one because it is, is a river but then where the river kind of stops in one location the way it flows is it's ground out a circular motion and it is quite impressive to look at I mean we were there again in summer so it was a very low river level but it was still flowing quite fast so you got to appreciate what it was like and the forces that go into creating that um, just yeah just by wandering around the, the dry river banks and yeah. Is that on the Franklin River? Yes, it is the Franklin River. Um, so, yeah, as it flows down towards um, Nornalup. Nornalup. Um, yeah, so as it flows down to there, it yeah, picks up speed and gets a bit wider. But in this section, there's lots of rapids and, yeah, circular pool, which is quite impressive. And I should mention that Franklin as well on the Bibbleman there is another one of the great Bibbleman track huts mm. because the shelter is built right on the water and it has its own boardwalk that you know i think one of the things that you don't get a lot in the bibbleman is a floor to the shelter yes whereas this one has a nice shelter and decking and it's one of the more deluxe shelters Shelters. on the track almost a hut would you say (laughs) some might call it a hut (laughs) so moving north of walpole there are a, a couple of hikes that they market as part of the Walpole Wilderness experience. And one of them that we've both done is Mount Franklin. Yeah. How did you find Mount Franklin? I, I love the walk there. I think that they have classified the walk up the summit as the top trail, but I think the walk around it, called the Kaldian Up Trail, is the real winner there. I think it's a real stunner. But, you know, I think doing both is definitely worthwhile. Do you agree? Yeah, I think people, if they're only doing the summit trail, really miss out on kind of appreciating Mount Franklin because it is one of those nice round kind of granite bubbles that we have down Mm. south. And the walk around kind of gives you that perspective because you are literally up against the granite face. And it's not a long walk to the summit. Um, I actually thought it was going to be a lot steeper or taller than it actually is but it's maybe 120 meters vertically over the whole hike and it's all bitumen as well yeah um but definitely doing the um the loop around the base it seems a lot higher because it is just steep granite and then literally right next to it is the or are these giant carry trees 
and you're kind of scrambling in and up rocks and I mean it's nothing too difficult but it's it's still a nice experience because you look up every now and then you're just like yep that's cool yeah and then you kind of get around to the the boardwalk section on the eastern slopes and you look out over the forest which is what Mount Franklin was used for it was a fire um, fire tower or a fire spotter mm. And yeah, it's just it's just a nice place to be. I know I say that a lot about some of these hikes, but it's just yeah, enjoyable. And I think because the trail around Mount Franklin doesn't have as many visitors, it has a wilder appearance. And I felt that a lot of people who have done the the base walk of Uluru have said this that they see why beyond the sort of disrespect of walking on top of Uluru mm. actually walking around it is more interesting in a lot of ways because you get to see all this like little caves and there's little water holes and different things around there I think walking around Mount Franklin has a similar kind of quality in that you get to see little bits of like there's a crevice here there's that bit where you have that walkway that goes along the granite and you yeah. can see up the slope where there's like a bit of a cave that's you know not not a big cave but a little bit of an overhang that you mm. can kind of camp in if you were in a storm or something <laughs> but you know there's a lot of moss to get up there you probably wouldn't want to no yeah and it's definitely having a history to uh, mount franklin as well makes it a little bit more interesting than here you just go hike up this tall peak um yeah having an operational fire tower until recently um you've got the hut that you can then at the start of the hike go yep there's the hut and then as you're doing the summit trail you can you know wonder what it was like in the heat of summer for someone to keep going up and down that trail um, as part of their duties watching the bushfires in the area so it's kind of gives you that perspective of what life used to be like in the area yes and also i should add that at the base of mount franklin is an old fireman's hut <laughs> It is. It has four walls and, and everything. <laughs> but you can't stay in there. No. It wouldn't, I don't think it fits many people <laughs> anyway. No. If it's one. But it is a hut all the same. Yeah. So that was the Southern Forest podcast. And I know lots of great trails down there. Um, if you are interested in doing a couple or visiting yourself be sure to visit the long ways better or the life of pi or shoot us an email yes and we're also looking to get a bit of a q a going so if you have any questions that you'd like to ask us please send an email to realtrailtalk at gmail.com thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs>